I would like to welcome Scott Sumsell. Welcome to the show, brother. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you, Dio. Thank likewise, you. Likewise. So what's going on, man? How, how are you? How you been? Uh, how's, um, how's real estate? Real estate is great. Real estate is great. I, I, I focus on the Hoboken, Jersey City market here in Hudson County, right across the river from the city. Um, so it's great. I mean, I, I love the town I live in. You know, it's been challenging, I think, for like all of us with the pandemic. But um, it seems like um, prices have dropped quite a bit. It's definitely a tenant market. Um, but there's a lot of activity. There, there's a buildup of, um, of inventory, you know, over the months that we were kind of stagnant last summer and fall and, and now the winter. Uh, but I think the spring looks promising. You know, I know it's gotten a lot in the last few weeks, but it's a promising spring market. I think we're getting more confident that we're going to that's or I think more comfortable making progress. And I think we see that. That's that's great. That's great. Um, how how many years of experience? How how, how many years you've been in this game? Um, closing in on five years. Five years in June. Wow, that's amazing. How 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 um, how does the pandemic play a role? Has been role, uh, played a role in in this? And real estate has it affected drastically, or? Yeah, I think I think it was drastic. Like like everything, when we were locked down last March, April, May, it was pretty drastic. I wasn't doing any showings at all. Um, but I think the, you know they're trying to find the silver lining. What's happened is that I think it's opened up uh, the the real estate market. Everybody who's ever going to be a seller, buyer, tenant, or landlord is like now we're a little bit more comfortable doing things virtually. I, I had a client who I worked with in person, and she had several made several offers. Before the pandemic started, was in contract for a deal when the pandemic started, um, and then when she lost her job, you know the, the deal fell apart um, eventually. Now she ended up waiting a few months, um, and when things just started to open up, I want to say ballpark June or so, um, she, she gave me a call said she's ready to start looking again. She got a new job that was a big part of it. She would actually get pre-approved and, and would be able to close a mortgage. Um, and so we actually started shopping, and then what we actually did virtually. I actually walked down. I had her on a Zoom call and just walked around the place. She asked me questions. And I Turned left, turn right, look up, look down uh, with my phone as I answered any questions she had about the place. Uh, so she actually ended, I would have never guessed this before the pandemic started, but she actually made an offer without ever walking in. Uh, once her offer was accepted, then that weekend, while we were in attorney's review, she came and saw it in person, just confirmed that she did like it, she wanted to move forward. So I think that's a, that's a, so you, you, a, a you, quantum leap forward. you, you, you personally basically went, you know, a regular video call and walked her through. That's amazing. That's, yeah. that's, that's amazing because not not a lot of as you know my wife is a real estate agent and yep. you know we tend to communicate and, and reach out and network not a lot of uh, real estate agent adapted to the idea you presented just now mm -hmm. uh, you should be really proud of yourself and thank you most important you got the you know that's hustle that's that's <laughs> yeah. that's, that's that's hustle. the name of our game I think yeah. if you're not hustling I don't know I don't know how you're making yeah. maybe your business is handed to you and do it for you you know but oh, if you're not hustling man. I don't know how you make it. That's a that's a that's amazing, man. I'm very happy to hear that. Um, yeah. Wow. But it's one, it's one of those things, you know. It's the silver lining of the pandemic, you know. And for, I was fortunate if that was somebody you know I'd never met and only talked to on the phone before. I probably she might not have had that comfort level or that trust in me, but I was looking out for her best interest and feel comfortable, you know, making. You know, that was mind blowing a year ago to think I'd make an offer without seeing the place. Yeah, yeah. In person, correct. But now that's 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 now our business has gotten easier for, for agents, for sellers, for buyers, for tenants, and it, our whole business has gotten easier because of this. You know, yeah. and now the fact that people are more comfortable doing some part of the process virtually. Yeah. And I've had time since then. I've had um, I had two girls who were moving up here from Atlanta. Um, and so they couldn't see places in the 
But one of them had a boyfriend living in Hoboken. So I met the boyfriend in Hoboken and he kind of did something similar. When he walked, I set up the whole agenda, sent them places they chose what they wanted to see. We walked, I walked around with the boyfriend while he did the, uh, the Zoom you know, tour of the place. They asked me questions. Um, and they, they ended up signing their lease from Atlanta and then drove up here the day before they moved in. Oh, that's so again, that's something I couldn't have done before. Or it wouldn't have been as easy before. It was less likely that anybody was going to feel comfortable with that. Now all of a sudden, we have the ability to do that. We're getting more business done. Uh, spending less time doing it, making it easier for, for everybody involved. So again, there's lots of stuff that's not been fantastic, pandemic, but I, I try to you know look at the highlights of the silver lining of how the industry as a whole, I think, is advanced and we've made it easier on ourselves um, as a result of adapting to this. Yeah, and I can imagine that, you know, so uh, the clients to be able to trust in you and, and let you guide them has to give you even more encouragement and, and more validation because they're entrusting in you and you're, you're not letting them down. So that's even more awesome. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's great. I mean, I think, I think virtually or in person, you know, building trust with your clients is important, probably in every industry, but really important in real estate because, you know, I think appropriately. So there's, there's kind of a bad reputation for real estate. Um, and uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but I think, you know, my, thing I've said is I think it's a catch 22, you know, somebody knows I'm a realtor, they may already immediately not trust me. But once I get to talk to them, they see how I communicate with them, they see how I take them through the process of finding a rental or a purchase or a sale. Uh, you know, I think the way I communicate with them and build trust is, is what makes me stand out. That's the catch 22. Easier for me to stand out. So many other realtors are, are not leading with being and making sure that they're always yeah. clients, What's beautiful uh, their clients' priorities first. What, what's beautiful about that is that you're, you're not trying to sell something. You're doing it because this is who you are. This is your at work ethic. And that's amazing. You know, you, you tend to put what you're explaining to me, you, you're putting the client first, that yourself. Always. And man, I'm proud to hear that because I've, I'm, like I said, I've met a lot of realtors and sometimes they're just focused on getting the deal done instead of taking care, you know, their credibility. You know, yeah. taking care of the client, which is essential for a deal to go, uh, a deal to go through. So, yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I, you know, part of it, I guess, I'm fortunate to have been raised well, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I can't imagine building a business another way. You know, I, I think being genuine and being, um, you know, knowing that, knowing in my heart that I'm focusing on my clients first. Like I, I heard, I've got that feedback. I think it does with every every conversation, every action, whether you're. I think it's pretty clear. People, most people are pretty intuitive about whether you're looking out for them or looking out for yourself. And I think that's, it's a real easy way to just for me to figure out this is the way I'm going to be. Um, and this is the way I'm going to build my business. Primarily built on building trust and prioritizing clients' needs first. I think it's a pretty simple concept. That's, that's awesome. Um, I, have a, uh, I know we spoke yesterday. I have a, a couple of notes that I think uh, the listeners uh, when they listen to this episode, they're going to be very intrigued. And um, you spoke about about some reward when when um, uh, uh, reward regarding uh, regarding the give back program. program. Yeah, the give back program. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, that's what I call it. I don't know if that's the best fanciest name for it, but a give back program is very simple. Um, I just you know I'm, I belong to a couple on the board to a couple of nonprofits here in New Jersey. I just kind of again the way it was raised, giving back and being a part of my community. There's a kind of family, family legacy that goes back beyond that. Um, but, um, but yeah, basically I just decided, you know, I want to separate myself from other realtors, kind of what we were already talking about. And, you know, over the years when I was new, I used to ask people, what's a good idea for gifts? How much do you spend? And, you know, what's an everlasting gift? What, what really resonates with clients and, and makes them 
realize that, you know, you really want to build a relationship and not just make a commission. Um, and there's all kinds of gifts that I think are great gifts. And I've done some supporting local business type of stuff that I think has resonated well, but ultimately I ended up coming up with just the idea to, uh, to give back to a charity. You know, again, being, being on nonprofit and believing in the, the concept of giving back in general, I figured I'd make that a part of my business. Um, and when I'm talking to people and presenting myself as a realtor, I feel more comfortable in that context of not just chasing a commission, which is really honestly what all of us are doing. You know, this is what we do for a living, but there's more to it than that for me. Um, so the first time I had done that was with somebody, I had volunteered with a charity called Best Day Foundation. Um, and then uh, the co-chairs, husband and wife team, uh, Trish and John, uh, we've been friends. I've been volunteering with this organization for about 12 years and on the board for, you know, some percentage of that. Um, and we've just become good friends over the years, just showing up and volunteering at events. Um, and she told me, I think it was about two or three years ago, uh, her parents had passed away. Um, uh, her father was the second of her parents to pass away. And then now she had to process the home that she grew up in. She had to sell that as part of the estate. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and she, you know, it was very, very emotional type of thing. And this is like a good friend that I've known for 10 years. Um, in, a, in a great environment of volunteering. Um, and it was just, it was kind of a heavy thing, you know, thinking about, you know, and, I, and I, I still have my parents, my parents are you know, two most important people in my life. So I, can, I can't imagine how I would deal with that. Um, so having a friend trust me to help her sell was kind of a big deal to me. And there was a lot of emotions in the transaction. Um, and I just thought like, I really want to make a gesture that would be meaningful to her. And she's not at all materialistic, doesn't really care about money. She's one of those people who just gives back, you know, her and her whole family. And I just thought like making a donation to the charity that made us friends that brought us together 12 years ago, like that would probably be the most meaningful gesture I could make to her um, just to say thanks for trusting me to you know, help you sell your childhood home. That's a big deal. Um, so I saw how rewarding that was and the tears that that, you know, developed and how we've already been good friends for 10 to 12 years. And this made us that much closer. I said, I think I, think I want to keep doing this over and over again. Um, and then I, you know, to tangent um, kind of just, and referee for Zog Sports, local co-ed league in Logan, New Jersey City. Um, and I've been playing with them and, and refereeing with them for seven or eight years. One of the things they do is, you know, there's played lots of different sports leagues. Some give you a trophy, some give you a gift certificate for bar. This is organization Zog Sports makes it the whole team, you're playing soccer, you're playing football, you're playing kickball. At the beginning of the season, your teammates talk about you want to play for Best Day Foundation for American Cancer Society, whatever nonprofit can resonate with you or is near and dear to your heart, you choose that, you select it, and then if your team makes it to the championship game, you get a donation. So I kind of always loved yeah, that yeah. Um, aspect of playing sports and, and being able to give back to this organization I get back to. And so I, between that one experience with Trish and John and then my connection with Zog Sports and how much that resonated with me that they gave back, you know, and that was the goal at the end, was to win the championship for bragging rights, but also to make a charitable donation to give back. And I just thought it was a kind of a perfect way for me to start the build my brand, make myself a little bit different than yeah. the average real. Wow. And also hopefully encourage other realtors and other people to do the same thing. It's not just about me being different. I'd, I'd actually rather encourage other people to do the same thing than for me to continue to be one of the few people. Wow. I'm, I am, I'm honestly blown away with, with, you know, the efforts of just trying to, you know, better your community and giving the best helping hand to a client or, or, or to your friends. Uh, wow. I, th I think, I think what you're doing is it's absolutely amazing. Uh, um, you know, you're rewarding for me too. Yeah. I can, I can imagine just, wow. You're a real estate agent. So, 
you know, through this pandemic, uh, you know, our, our surroundings or our community uh, suffered a lot. So my question, I guess, is how important is for people like us that are active in our community to uh, support our small businesses? It's hugely important. I mean, I, I consider myself a small business. You know, I, I am, I'm an entrepreneur as a realtor. I think every real for themselves a small their job, you know, their career, like a small business. Um, but I think it's critical. You know, I think especially, you know, in a town like Hoboken, uh, even downtown Jersey City, like there's tons and tons of mom and pop businesses. That That is the core fabric of our uh, of our economy in Hoboken. There's, there's, I don't know how many hundreds of small businesses between restaurants, bars, and just every other type of business you could have, storefronts or you know, just uh, private, private firms. Um, there's hundreds of them. I mean, there's very few chains. You know, we have one McDonald's, one Walgreens, one Friday. There's a handful, but but a large percentage of our businesses in Hoboken are mom and pop size businesses. Even if they've grown to a significant size because they've been here for a long time, they're the nature of them mom and pop business. So I think as much as um, I've been a small business, and, I, and before I became a realtor, I was a small business for 12 years. You know, that's a that's a grinded out, very blue collar, work hard um, business. And, and, and a lot of the people that I've worked or small business owners that own their own truck. And that's what, how they made a living was driving their truck around and helping helping us, our clients. So um, supporting small businesses is just, you know, it's kind of part of, it, it's maybe part of the fabric of, of thinking who I want to support. I don't have anything against large corporations, but I'd much rather support a small business owner because I know that's that's them feeding their family. That's not that's not giving their, you know, their stockholders a few pennies on a return. That's, that's them feeding their family, you know. Yeah. going on a vacation or not. So I think supporting small business owners is huge. Also something I've, I've incorporated into my, my relationship. What, what inspired you to, to take this journey and start um, your real estate career? Like what, what, what was that moment that you like, you know what? Uh, this is what I want to do. This is, I have a passion for this and I'm just going to go for it. What, what was that moment? What, what inspired you? Yeah, I might have to back up a little bit if you if you uh, if you get, uh, give me some leeway on on leaving. Yeah, up yeah. hey, the floor is yours, my brother. Yeah, so um, I'll start with you know my my second job out of college was working for Enterprise Rent a Car, um, which I never thought it was never had any aspirations for rent cars when I was in college, um, <laughs> but they told me it was a good business management program, um, and uh, you know it, it sounded something that was exciting and dynamic and not a desk job. And I'm kind of very fearful that I would be just you know hate a desk job. So anything that was moving around uh, and also was business management training, I, I figured I'd sign up for it. It was a great, great culture for me, very fast paced, um, a lot of go-getters, high energy people, everybody was fresh out of college. Great environment for me. Um, you're wearing a you know shirt and tie and coat, you know, sports jacket every day, but you're also getting on your hands and knees and vacuuming out cars, you know what I mean, and cleaning windows and driving around and picking up people in the snow and Changing tires on the side. You're doing the, the work. You're doing yeah. the work. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, like the dynamic nature of it was great for me. They were great at uh, business management training. They were really great at customer service. Training. Um, you know, there's times where you know when I was young and naive that I I was like, we're letting these customers. They're complaining about meaningless stuff, and we're giving them money back. We're giving them a free day or whatever. I'm like, they're totally getting over on us. They're like, no, no, that's not that what's happening. That's not what's happening. Actually, what we're doing is we're building loyalty with them. And we may lose a little short run, but we're going to win in the long run because we're building loyalty with these clients. And they're going to keep coming to Enterprise Rent a Car because every time they're here, even something small that we don't control happens, we're going to make it right for them and make sure they walk away completely satisfied. 
judge. And once we got to the management level, you got paid a commission based on whether or not your customer service score at your branch was high enough. Wow. And it was. That's, you know, that, that put a huge emphasis on me to just realize that what does it mean to give great customer service? Everybody's heard the buzzword customer service, you know, and this is 20 years ago. Um, but what does it mean to deliver that every single time to every single client? Even, even when you may think they're wrong or even know they're wrong, but they're still the customer, you know? Um, so I think that was great training for me. And then uh, when, by the time I was there for about two years, um, I, had, I had been great, but they started to get a little, um, I guess, just stale for me. It didn't seem like it might not be the long-term thing, much as I enjoyed the experience. Um, and I ultimately ended up uh, helping a friend of a friend uh, run a trucking business. He had sold mattresses for a while and thought he could make more money delivering them. Um, so it was not the most glamorous job um, to yeah. be. You know, delivering mattresses and taking people's stinky mattresses out of their homes was definitely not at all glamorous. But, um, you know, I got to work on a truck all day and wear t-shirts and shorts and run around and, you know, and call myself an entrepreneur and a business owner, even though it was kind of so-so accurate. Um, so I, I ended up being in the trucking business for about 12 years. So there was a few iterations of businesses. I bought a pre-existing business, merged with another business, um, and learned a lot. But I, ultimately what I learned was that trucking business wasn't for me long-term. Um, <laughs> So I got out of that. I sold my business to a friend in the business um, and kind of did my best to transfer my clients to him. And then I got a couple of corporate jobs, which I wasn't sure I was cut out for. It turned out I was right. I wasn't. Um, so I did two different corporate jobs for about three years. Um, and they let me go at the last one. It was like the happiest day of my life. But I, I was trying to figure out how, how long could I wait till I had to quit. And the day they told me they were letting me go, I was like, beautiful. Like, I'm so I, I totally, uh, <laughs> I totally understand. I, I just left my, um, my corporate job like a couple of months ago and mm. I come to realize congratulations. You know, that's a big, big stop. Yeah, stop yeah. The whole conversation. Congratulations. You left the corporate world. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> it's something like you always like, I've always wanted you to go up the ladder, go up the ladder, go up the ladder. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm mm-hmm. at this point that in on my boss is either, is either the vice president or the owner of the company. That's, that's who I okay. I worked under everybody else worked under me and I realized I first realized that I can't do any more. There's nothing, there's nothing to conquer. There's nothing to overcome. There's nothing to learn. You know, Mm -hmm. they either die or quit or something happens that in order for me uh, to move up and, and that's not even promise. So I, there's a lot of BS to there's a yeah. lot of BS to wade through just to get to that opportunity to maybe get promoted or maybe have somebody judge you for for nothing you did wrong or you know nothing exactly. you did better or different and that's, exactly that lack of control is what makes me love entrepreneurialism you know that's yes. what makes me yes. want to be a small business owner that I control my future not somebody else who uh, may or may not get my contribution yeah yeah so I. I, I understand and I see your satisfaction and wanting to just walk away <laughs> from that hellhole. So going back to your story, you left. Yeah, uh, you, you were happy. So I left corporate. It was like the happiest day of my life. Yes. Yeah, like, like that same day I was in Madison Square Park. and my, my job was in the city at the time. I was in Madison Square Park like minutes after they let me go. And I was like, this is the greatest day. Friday afternoon. I mean, I remember it vividly. Um, that night I planned a trip to Europe. Um, around the same time, probably not a coincidence, the way that the stars in the universe line up or something. Um, but we were playing, I was living in a place in Jersey City, and my roommates and I had already decided we we're probably going to move out and just kind of go our separate ways or find, find a new living situation. Um, so knowing that and then losing the job, um, I don't remember exactly what happened. I think it happened within a week of each other. I figured these things to be that. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to put myself in storage and travel. 
um, just because I, I could. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do anyways. You know, I know I didn't want to look for another corporate job. Um, and so I traveled about two months. On the scale, uh, and, uh, on the scale uh, of being first. burned burned out from a corporate job, what what is that high number? Because I can imagine you that you were burned out. Yeah, well, the first job I had, I was there for close to three years, and I was totally burnt out after one. Um, and then the new job, I actually was working with a really good friend of mine. Um, I may or may not have been fully qualified for the job, but it, you know, it was an opportunity for us to work together. So it's kind of one of those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but you know, I put my best foot forward. I thought, and it was. Honestly, it was a technology industry that just maybe it wasn't a perfect fit for me. I, I think I put my best before, but I was I was uninterested like two weeks in. I was like, ah, I'm just trying to not disrespect my friend at this point. I'm like, hey, this is not, <laughs> this is not getting me juiced. I mean, I can, I can show up every day. I can take care of clients. I can do my job adequately. Like, this is never going to get me excited. Um, yeah. I knew that within a few weeks. Um, and then once my friend moved on, he, he got a better job. So that was the whole reason I was there. <laughs> and then his boss turned out to be, you know, one of those corporate nightmare kind of um, and so like I said, the day they left, I, I was thrilled. So I wasn't totally burnt out. I just, I was convinced that this was not for me. And I had to figure out what was going to be. I had to figure out what my next move was before I quit. I didn't want to quit and have to, like, Got it. You want to know, when they let me go, it was like one of those blessings in disguise. So, I traveled, came back, still had, you know, after traveling for two months, one of the greatest things I've ever done myself. Where did you go? Where, where did you go? Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. All right. I was in Europe. I traveled all around Europe. I can give you a quick list. I started a good friend of mine was performing at the Fringe Comedy Festival in Edinburgh, Scotland. I started there for a week. Um, we drove to Italy from there, which you know, was a kind of a crazy story, maybe not appropriate at the moment. Um, and then I drove all around that area. I drove around Croatia, Slovenia, um, uh, a few other countries in that area. Uh, ended up, finished up my trip in Brussels and Amsterdam. Uh, met a few friends along the way, a few travel friends who I met in the past, and came back and just like felt refreshed. I felt like I have a better idea of what is important to me in life, but still have no idea what I want to do. So I went to visit my parents, which I, I do kind of every year for the holidays. And uh, my dad is definitely the person who knows me the best. Um, and we we're just sitting, we we're just sitting at night. Uh, my mom had already gone to bed, and we just have a lot of late night chats, probably one in the morning. And he said, everything about doing real estate, just out of the blue, we weren't even talking about my career or next moves. And I was like, not really. Well, you know, why do you think I should? And he gave me all the reasons. Um, and I said, that you, you're pretty smart and you, you know me the best of anybody on the planet. So I should, I should listen to you and everything you said makes sense. And I guess I'll give that a shot. And then, uh, so a few months later I went to school and, um, I've been doing it for five years. I think, I think it's the decision I've ever made. Um, I love being a mentor. I think it's, I think it's a fantastic career. Yeah, I can, I can tell you the, the way you talk and the passion you have for it. It's like, <laughs> it, it makes you want to live. And I think everybody that is trying to, find themselves and seek what makes them happy. You're a perfect example of that, you know? Yeah. It took me a little while longer to figure it out, but you know, I think it's kind of better late than never type of thing. And I, I love what I do now for that's, a living. And, that's the most important part the journey, realizing the journey, yeah, enjoying the yeah. journey. Hmm. Because uh, I tell my, I tell my buddies all the time, once you, you reach of like people tend to uh, describe success of being wealthy. So, Let's just take that for example. Once you uh, reach a type of uh, reach a level of success and become wealthy, you know you're gonna be sit, you're gonna sit back and just reminisce on how how hard you hustled mm -hmm. and the journey you went through to get where you are, and you're gonna miss that. Yeah. The yeah. most problem you're gonna have is too much money. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, more money, more problems, maybe. But, yeah, um, yeah, new problems, maybe. But um, yeah, I mean, I look forward to that day. But I think you know, something I've heard and read, you know, listen to podcasts and stuff, is that you know, a lot of people who make it to that upper echelon, one percent or two percent or whatever you want to call it, but like you know, kind of the financially independent, you know, uh, level of success is a lot of them. You know, you know, you could make another million, another billion, whatever it is but really like having some meaning in your life and having something mm. that's really fulfilling for you beyond just money and materialistic things. Um, I, I think that's what a lot of uber successful people realize once they get there is that I'm still not completely fulfilled and I need something that gives me more meaning in my life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that's not a universal thing, but I, that's what I've heard. It's not there yet. I hope one day, but I, but I hope I'm building the meaning in my life along the way rather than once I get there. And you know, I think that was making the journey fulfilling for me so far. That's beautiful because you're not just your happiness doesn't just come on one thing. Your happiness comes from seeing yourself and others progress. So as you're progressing and you're 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 progressing and everything around you is progressing, like you're you're totally the definition of what my brand is: dream inspired thing. You're a dreamer who's doing the work, but I, as he as you're doing the work, people are watching you, and you're without knowing you're in. Inspiring everybody to obtain something as you're trying to obtain it, and and I hope so. Yeah, that, that would be a great side effect of just the way I happen to be living my life. I guess you know, no, but, and I mean, that's, inspire other people to do better, to get back in the community, to be better versions of themselves. Yeah, that'd be. Um, I don't know that I think that highly of myself, but that would be a great accomplishment or a great result of just me doing what I'm doing anyway. Uh, don't cut yourself off. You're doing amazing work. And I think for people like us, because I'm the same way, it's, it's difficult to see the achievement and the accolades we have obtained through our journey. Uh, but what drives us is just to keep pushing and progressing and making sure that not, we're not just the only ones progressing, but everything around us. Like, like, like great example where you're trying to do with your foundation, uh, Give us a little backstory on on how did you you start that? So yeah, I didn't start it, but I got involved a little over a year ago. Um, so I think I mentioned to you when we spoke yesterday, Louis Quinones. Yes. His name. Shout out to he's, he's, he's the founder. Yeah, and I, I hope you get a chance to do something like this. He's amazing, amazing story, amazing Love inspirational to. human. Um, I'm very fortunate to be able to call him a friend and uh, a colleague in the nonprofit. Um, but he's the founder. He gets all of the credit created. Um, but the organization is called Community Lifestyle. Um, it's based here in Hoboken, where I live and, and work primarily. Um, but Lewis, um, you know, his, his story, again, I'm sure he can give you a lot more. His basic story was, you know, he was an underprivileged kid himself living in, in Manhattan growing up, um, had an absentee father, um, a mom who was uh, some substance abuse problem. Um, so he didn't have a whole lot of great guidance in his life. Um, he emancipated himself at age 15. Um, so that's kind of mind blowing to me. I mean, I had a very soft, easy, you know, compared to Lewis. I mean, I had a lot of it that, that it just wasn't. So emancipating yourself at age 15 and becoming independent at age 15, I think that alone is a mind blowing uh, accomplishment. Um, but basically what he told me is he wanted, he knew he wanted to stay off the streets and not be, you know, not be a part of the, the riffraff, I guess, you know, I mean, a part of the bad stuff that was going on all around him. Uh, so he would literally kind of sneak into gyms, YMCA's or fitness clubs or whatever it was, uh, just to stay off the streets. And then one day, a uh, guy who I guess just kept kicking him out over and over again realized he's just going to keep sneaking in. I might as well do something different. You know, this kid who's determined to come in here 
And so he basically put him to work at cleaning up the locker rooms and the bathrooms and just him responsibilities so he could kind of earn his keep, uh, knowing that he was going to be there anyway. And so that guy ended up being a mentor to Lewis. Um, Lewis went on to work for the YMCA for, I think, around 15 years uh, in developing programming for teens, you know, all, all different age groups, primarily for teens, I think was kind of a chief fulfillment with the YMCA. Um, and after being there for a long time and learning a lot, and I'm sure having a, a tremendous impact on the Y, um, a few things happened that were kind of not favorable where he felt like it was kind of beyond his control. And there was you know, bureaucracy, as great as the YMCA is, there was stuff that he could accomplish was just a result. And it's frustrating for him to not have any control for that. So um, a few friends that knew how involved he was and how, how much he was. And he's like, why don't you just do this on your own? Um, and start your own nonprofit. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, I think a lot of us fantasize about starting our own business. Um, and I think some of us, maybe some of the, the, the greater percent of our society dream about starting their own nonprofit and having a great impact on their community or our kids or, you know, whatever demographic resonates with them. But that was what Lewis has, has already dedicated his life to. And now is you know, that much deeper involved because he's doing this as his full-time job um, and, and not necessarily always getting a paid salary the way he did it. Yeah, so it's kind of more making that leap of faith, the same way people leave a corporate job and start their own business. It's a leap of faith in yourself that you've been get it going and get it off the ground and survive financially in the time that it takes to get it off the ground. And that's what he done successfully. And he started the foundation, I think, four years ago um, and uh, has been running a summer camp, has run a, a team leadership program, has had a bunch of programs that he's basically developed single handedly and had very little help. Um, so I, I run into Lewis at a networking event, a networking event for uh, basically people in the social field in Hudson County um, called Community Networking Association. A friend of mine, a fraternity brother of mine, had introduced me to the group. Um, and I realized it probably wasn't going to be networking for me as a realtor, but it might be networking for me just to learn what services are out there uh, and to be able to provide that to my client. I never know when somebody might need something that I'm not aware of. Uh, so then Lewis approached me and we ended up you know, kind of forming a by he told me a little bit about his organization and uh, to get to what community lifestyle does is you know, our mission is to help youth and teens um, from the Hoboken housing authorities. Uh, so the underprivileged that are in um, the housing projects is how I think most of us refer to that. Um, so these are underserved, underprivileged, you know, whatever term you use, they're the kids that you know, um, you know maybe are against the odds to have a successful career. Some of us maybe take for granted. Uh, I know I'm, I may be in that case. Um, but yeah, he's basically dedicated his life to and the name Community Lifestyle sounds like it could be a magazine or something like that. But uh, the way that the name of the organization came about was because Lewis was always giving back to the community, even outside of his YMCA. He was always spending his time and his energy um, just trying to get back to the community in some way or another. And anytime somebody asked him, like, like why do you put all of your energy into the community? Why do you, you know, even outside your job, he's like, it's just the lifestyle. This is my lifestyle. I would, I would love to... to... I would love to to pick his brain because to you have to have you have to gone through so much in your life that to actually tell yourself I want to I don't want people to go through what I went through. Yeah. Definitely. And to be focused on that is it's inspiring, it's respectful and just the way you talk about it is incredible. Yeah, he's a great man, a great inspiration. Uh, like I said, I'm a very good, consider myself very fortunate to call him a friend. Uh, and we talk sometimes daily. We talked a couple times already today, just about stuff that we're doing, things that we're working on, programs for kids. That he's what made you what what made you take this leap of faith in joining this this, this foundation? 
Uh, that's a good question. It's a very good question. Um, you know, when I first met Louis, he just seemed like a nice guy. He seemed like a very genuine guy, kind of inspiring in his nature. It's kind of hard not to, like I said, when you meet him, you'll, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. I think you can probably feel the degree already. Um, but he invited me just to come by his office, you know, in, in, uh, um, in the projects on the West Side of Hope. I just want to tell you about what he told me what he did, told me his story, kind of some of the details that I'm sharing with you. Um, and, and that was it. It was just a nice conversation. Like, well, let me know how I can help out. I'm like, I'm a realtor now. And as a realtor, just like it's really cool for me to maybe have an opportunity to impact my community, you know. And uh, this is something I think uh, more realtors should do. We're all out there um, making considerable money if, if, if we're good at it, if we're established. And I think giving back is important. You know? And I think the ability to give back beyond just monetarily to actually give back my energy, time, my thoughts, my skills, whatever I bring to the table um, to affect my community and especially the underserved population of my community. I think this is a great opportunity for me. Um, and while I didn't know it at the time, I kind of discovered that it actually, uh, you know, again, maybe the stars of the universe lining up again, but it actually lines up very well with my family's legacy. So um, I didn't make up that story or share that with you. Um, my grandparents on the other side, so um, it's the Bush side of my family, um, grew up in Chicago. Um, and they were the original entrepreneurs in my family. Um, my real estate business is named after my grandparents. What they were? Um, uh, sorry, you broke up. What, they were the original. They were the original entrepreneurs in our Got family. It. So this is going back to the forties. You know, my grandfather was um, way back. Uh, fought, way in World back. War, fought in World War II, came wow. back injured, and, and when he came back, he got married to my grandmother, and they started a business together. They bought a grocery store, in um, and that's what they had. They had a grocery store in Chicago for I think twenty five years, um, and they were a big. You know, it was kind of a, a mom and top type of bodega type style grocery store. I was never, I was never in that one, um, but uh, you know, they were a big part of their community. They had kids from the community who worked at their uh, their store, um, and they were just, uh, you know, I guess the way they interacted with their um, their clients and customers just, you know, made them a part of the community. And that was a big thing that was important to them to be a part of the community, back to the community. Um, and when they first started there, they were they were Eastern European immigrants, and, and a majority of the uh, the population where they bought the store was. Um, and then over the years, obviously, it became more diverse. And as it became more diverse, whether it was Latin or Black people or whatever people came into their community and started to shop at their store, they adapted the items that they offered, the products that they offered, or they were offering whatever their community wanted. You know, and that, that naturally endeared them to the community, and they were, they were kind of beloved in the community. Um, so all of this led up to um, my grandparents actually, like I said, employing several kids and even paying for college, assisting with books and tuition kids that had worked in their store before and wow. been part of the community they had gotten to know over the years. They were, this is in the 60s when it wasn't real popular for white Jewish families to be sporting with black kids. So they, the they were basically the pioneers on mm-hmm. on helping their community. That's, wow. Yeah. yeah, so that's a pretty big deal. And then I think the, the story that really is giving me chills just thinking about sharing it with you is, uh, so 1968 was Martin Luther King was assassinated um, and the Chicago riots were somewhat famous. You know, I think, I think a lot of places, you know, reacted around the country, but Chicago, I think, is the one that's most well known for that. Um, so they were in Chicago, of course, and, and their business, just like any other store, was at risk during those riots. Understandably so, but, you know, um, what happened was the people of the community, as the riots were going into their specific neighborhood and their specific store, actually came into the store, made sure they were physically protected, took, took them out of the store where the looters and the rioters came and, and basically wiped out their entire business. But, you know, like it, it may be an overstatement to say like they're standing in the community, save their life. But I think for sure it's secured there. See, I think I just, wow, that's wow. 
I think with that is that there were humble people and showed the respect and they they made themselves known that they just wanted to help the community. Uh-huh. They, I, I, you know, I could just imagine to just to have going on in that time and what was going on in their surroundings and to have uh-huh. people just protecting them and make sure they were OK. They have had to be had to be a incredible influence. Yeah. And, and man, we need more of that. We I'm, yeah, I'm glad pretty, I'm glad you're on a cool the, story. Yeah, man. It's 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 a pretty cool story. And like I said it's something that I didn't, you know, a few years ago I didn't know that detail story. I knew they were the original entrepreneurs, I knew they had a grocery store, but it was only more recently I just had conversations with my mom about her parents and what it was like and um that it's kind of led to this, you know, me knowing more about my grandparents than I did, you know, even a few years ago. Um so it's really just Again, maybe a coincidence, but it's, it's kind of cool now. Like it, it, working all the effort and the time I put into community lifestyle, um, when I could be spending time just commissions, um, it, it makes it a lot easier for me knowing that I'm honoring and and trying to honoring the legacy of my grandparents, um, but also maybe building a little bit of my own along the way. Um, so you know, it, sure, it, it yeah, makes it very yeah. easy to balance, like wow. giving back to to just doing my job or you know, chasing you know helping clients. That's. See, a lot. This is what I like. Uh, this is what I admire the most. You have realtors, uh, and and in general, let's just say in general, not to to pick a demographic or category. You have people that stay in their community, learn what they have to learn, and just go and be an asset to somewhere else. But you know, individuals like yourself that have has learned and educate yourself but has also stood by and help put that, you know, ground of salt or whatever to help build your community. I think that's what's important and a uh, real big game changer. And that's what we uh, people in the community need the most that in order to uplift our community, the people have to be the ones to help one another and build it themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're yeah, doing great, an incredible great. job about that, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Very honored to have, sit down and have this conversation and hear the, the story of that's come from history way, way back and still mm-hmm. carry that goodwill and tradition to help your community. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I it's one of those things that it's very rewarding for me. Very rewarding for me. You know, like I said, I, even if, you know, you have curveballs, like, you know, we said your, your wife is aware of real estate. There's lots of stuff that's beyond our control and, it affects whether we make money or not. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that's not the easiest thing, but I still love what I do. But like having this to balance out my life, you know, like I have, I have good and bad days in real estate, just like we all do, whatever our jobs are. But having you know community lifestyle and having these other things that I'm passionate about and care about, like sometimes it's really great things happen in my nonprofit world. And it makes it a lot easier when things are not so smooth in my my business world. You know, yeah. so it's kind of another one of those things where I and, and then there's in it I seem to be realizing more and more integration amongst my roles, you know, the, the playing sports and volunteering and, and being a realtor, I, I feel a lot more integration, a lot more connections that I have in different uh, categories are overlapping with each other. You know, I, I've started to have the opportunity to the kickball crowd that I get to referee. Um, again, it's a part-time job twice a night for a couple of hours, but it's, it's Everybody who's young and hopeful will be wanting to go out, have fun, maybe be a little bit competitive, but just have fun, make new friends, have a few drinks together. Uh, and I've got to know that crowd as a player and as a referee for six or seven years now. Um, so that was well before I became a realtor. 
Um, but now, you know, I never, I never was doing that because I thought it would benefit me. But now I've helped probably a few dozen people that I've met, kickball players, football players, soccer players, whatever, I, whatever sport I know them from. That now I've helped them uh, rent a place, buy a place, a place. Um, and that's not why I did it. But it's a really beautiful integration where my world will relax. That's that's heartwarming, man. Um, yeah. And now, and to take that a step further, is like now I've started to take, like, you know, we do a little pregame for the kickball games. You're the red team, you're the blue team, blah, blah, blah. Here's some rules. Um, and what I started to incorporate is talking about community lifestyle. And a few times, Lewis even came to the games, um, came to Hoboken before the games and just kind of stood there with me. And, and I would introduce community lifestyle. And we're, we play kickball in the housing authority, the, the, the kickball field, the turf field where we play. It's called Mama Johnson Field. It's on the west side of Hoboken, right in the heart of the housing authority. Um, so the kids that we serve are all around us, literally while we're playing, the kids are all around us, sometimes running around on the same field. Um, so it's very, it's close to home, but that's you know, just another uh, another way my life, uh, my worlds, I guess, are interacting. But I, I've now started to say in my pregame speech, like, hey, this is community lifestyle, this is what we do. We serve these kids that are in these buildings that are all around us. They have a much different experience here in Hoboken than what all of us um, are privileged to um, and we've had a handful of people like it resonated with them, and they've is, now signed is, up to be volunteers. Is that like a season? Or lifestyle. Is that do you have like a season of kickball that starts mm -hmm. and has a finish? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a spring, summer, and fall season. There are about seven weeks plus playoffs, so it ends up being like an eight week season. There's usually a couple of weeks in between seasons. Um, and then you know, I said Zog has many other sports, indoors, outdoors, about every sport you can think of: football, basketball, volleyball, dodgeball. Um, they even have a cornhole league. Um, so these are just, you know, and I've got to, I played in every single one of those and ref every single one of those. Um, so I got to know a lot of people in town. It's, it's been a great way for me to make friends before I ever became a realtor. Um, now as a realtor, you know, obviously a lot of these friends are, you know, are asking me to help. Them. That's just a, a great benefit to just going out and playing sports and making friends. And then if, occasionally if, if my team is successful, making a donation to, to my charity that I'm already a part of. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of really great things kind of stacking on top of Wow, that's man. Whoa, that's a lot. Uh, you're a busy Sorry. guy, man. You're a busy guy. Uh, when I when when I first um, you know first started reaching out to you to get you on the podcast, you know you're always doing something. You're always doing something. Yeah. I told my wife, she's just busy. When he's ready, he'll let me know. Yeah, no, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I'm, I'm sorry I made it hard for you. To, no, no, uh, to, no. To get man, me on here, but I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. I've been looking forward to today. I've been looking forward to right now for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about that. You don't need to apologize. You're, you're a true icon in your community. You're, you're doing a lot of things to help the youth, uh, yourself, the people around you, man. That's that's time consuming, but it's the best time to have. That's, ah, that's great. The, it's I, great. It keeps you busy, keeps me on my toes, but also just it's, I, I know I'm living life, you know, instead of letting it pass me by because I got all this stuff going on, you know. And I, I, I like to believe I thrive in that chaotic atmosphere, and I have a lot going on kind of all the time, and. Uh, I do my best to juggle it all, I guess, you know what I mean? But it's, it's very fulfilling and very fun. So it never feels like work, you know, because I enjoy just about every moment. Wow. You, you're, 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 you're a very popular real estate agent. You're, you're doing this foundation foundation. Um, have you gone to, I, I read something on your site that you go to, they go to South Jersey and do this like, Beach retreat with the youth. Uh, yeah, that, that's a different organization that I've been on the board with for a while. So I mentioned Trish and John earlier in our conversation about kind of how the donation program, the give back program started, was thanks to Trish and John. So that 
that organization is called Best Day Foundation. Got it. Totally independent from community lifestyle. Totally independent. I've been a part of that for 12 years. When I first was in the trucking business, um, I had gotten involved with that. Basically, I had, I had offered um, someone just to say, hey, could we use our trucks in mm-hmm. our warehouse for just resources for some some organization? I figured a Toys for Tots Fusion Center was kind of what I had in mind. And it turned out Best Day had just started the summer before that, and they had a kind of a logistical nightmare of all these surfboards, boogie boards, uh, suits, helmets, life jackets, tables, tents, chairs, all that stuff, all the stuff that it takes to run an event of doing um, surfing you know, at the beach with special needs kids. Um, it's logistics, and they were throwing it in different people's attics and garages and borrowing pickup trucks and SUVs just to get the equipment to the event for one day. Um, and they had had exactly one event the first season. Um, and then they were preparing to do six events to expand from one to six events their second summer. They knew they had this logistical nightmare that was hard to pull together for one day, let alone six days, you know? Um, and I told him, I was like, I have a truck, put everything on one truck. And then when we're done, we're in my warehouse, we have space and then I'll bring it back to you for the next event. Um, so that's how I got involved with the Best Day Foundation. I was planning just to be the trucking services. And then they asked me if I wanted to just check it out and like volunteer and just be involved in it. Like, yeah, sure. I'll, sh- I'll show up. Um, and at the time I didn't have a, a huge comfort level, which what it was like to interact with special needs kids. I think it's probably a blind spot for a lot of people have had that experience. Um, so one of the founders, Max, who's an amazing, amazing guy, uh, Max Montgomery, um, he talked to me and said, you know, what are you, what are you planning to do? You want to be a buddy or, or a water buddy? And basically water buddies were people who were excellent swimmers. I'm a pretty good swimmer, but definitely not excellent. I've never been a lifeguard or anything. I was like, maybe I'll just stay on the beach. And he's, he told me he was going to pair me up one-on-one with one of the one of our participants, one of the special needs kids. And immediately my first reaction was, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't have any training. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to act differently. Like, I'm, I love kids, but I just don't know how to – I don't have any training. And he's like, it's just like any other kid. So just treat them like any other kid, play with them, hang out with them, talk to them. And, I, you know, he seemed like an honest guy. I wanted to trust him, but I didn't really believe, like, in myself that, like, I felt confident that I would, I would interact and be, you know, just that I would – you know my instinct i didn't think yeah. i had any instincts for it uh so they ended up giving me a, a kid that was high functioning that was you know a larger kid that i think was 17 years old just because i was an adult a lot of the volunteers were kids and exactly what max said was what happened started throwing the football around started talking you know it was just like hanging out with any other kid i got to know his parents um and it was great i was i was hooked for life you know as soon as i had done it that one time it was extremely extremely rewarding experience and i just kept coming back to volunteer um, and then after a couple of years, you know, I had been involved for a while just doing the trucking stuff and then also volunteering and I, you know, I loved it. They asked me to join the board. Um, so I did, you know, and that was a little bit more passive because mostly we have our, our summer events and we don't do a whole lot in the off season. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's been very, very rewarding. You know, I mean, I have a lot of great friends it's been a great community. And, um, even in years where, um, you know, for example, when I got out of the trucking business, I had no idea what I'm going to do. You know, that, that's a pretty tough year, you know, uh, yeah. I think anybody who's been in that career transition where they have no idea what they want to do. They know, I know I'm valuable. I know I have some skills I've developed, but I have no idea, you know, how to make money doing it yet. Um, so that was a relatively rough year getting out of the trucking business when I put my heart and soul in 12 years. Um, but w- one of the things that resonates with me from, from that year was showing up to the best day events and realizing when I showed up and I thought, I thought my life was or, you know, I was down in the dumps because I didn't know what I wanted to do for a living. And you realize how these families have it and how challenging the day is for them. Um, when you're dealing with a child with any sort of mental or physical disability and you realize, you know, my life's pretty good. Maybe the things I have to worry about are not so big of a deal to worry about. Maybe I should, you know, kind of appreciate what I have rather than worry about what I haven't figured out in my life. Um, so I, I remember very fondly every one of those events being like a great day for me, a year that was not a great year for me. 
Um, so that's one of those things where like, you know, I think best day has given me a lot more than I've given it. It's, it's been, a, it's been a great experience all along the way. And I have and, some great friends in that is, community. Is best day based out of New Jersey or you guys have, um... we have a New Jersey chapter in, in our events are in Monmouth and Ocean County. So right now we're doing our events in Point Pleasant, um, Point Pleasant, uh, Brick and, uh, there, uh, and Asbury Park. So those are the, the beaches that are hosting us. Um, those those three locations. So we'll do three weekends per summer. So we'll do a Saturday camp and a Sunday camp, independent. We'll bring about forty five of our kids to participate um, each day. You know, so that works out to be about two hundred and seventy in uh, six. Um, and it's a pretty great experience. We had, we started out when I when I first started. I think we had 30, 40 volunteers, which is still a lot. Um, and maybe 15 to 20 kids. Now we have 45 kids and we probably average about 150 volunteers per day. Um, so like, like there's a lot of people out, out at these events. And it's, it's really rewarding to see how it's grown over the years. Like um, if, if I was a, a person, which I am, um, <laughs> I want, I, I want to, like, I have a four-year-old. I would like to, I would like him to be part of uh, one of those surf boogie board state. How, how would I get in touch with you guys. What is that process like? What, 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 what I need to do or bring or donate in, in order in order for your kid to participate. Yeah. Is, um, yeah. So, I mean, we, it started out, you know, um, as being specifically for kids with autism because you know, the, the backstory was just, it was a parent of an autistic kid who was also a surfer and he took him surfing and realized that the, I guess the sounds and the feels of the waves and the sand and everything was just very soothing um, for any kid on the spectrum. How it started now we've expanded to every, um, pretty any mental or physical disability we use. I mean, and there's still a process. You still have way more demand than usually than we have spots available. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically just to know about it, I think it's the most important thing. Um, you know, our events tend to be June, July, August, uh, the three different weekends. Um, and once we announce our dates, then we also announce a registration date on the website. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, to be honest, it's one of those things where it's challenging. I mean, it's one of those things we built a really great reputation in our community. Um, and a lot of the parents are kind of ready. They're sitting by their phone or their computer or whatever. It's just kind of ready to hit, like kind of like you're trying to get those hard to get concert or, or sporting sporting event. It's just there, there's a lot more demand than there is supply. Uh, we've expanded how many kids we help, but there's still you know the end of the point is is that the, you just sign up when the, the registration. And I think okay. just we want to spread the word about that state. You know, the word has gotten out there amongst our community. Um, but we still, we're still looking to grow. We have, you know, it started in California, New Jersey was the second branch. There's now a branch in Virginia and there's also a branch in Florida. Um, so there's been several locations that wanted to start branches, but it's a really great experience. You know, there's, there's obviously a, a core group of this is the way we do this. And now it's duplicatable we show that it's duplicatable in a few different locations. So I think spreading the word in general, you know, they're, they're still, I'm sure there's still a significant percentage of parents of, of uh, special needs kids that maybe don't know about it. And, you know, like there's lots of repeat customers for us or repeat that's for us. Um, but we'd love to just have everybody to know about this and everybody to experience it. Because, it's, I mean, it's really a super rewarding day, you know, after surfing and boogie boarding, all that kind of stuff. I've seen kids um, scream and cry and yell and be, you know, scared to death for an hour and a half. And then finally, finally get the courage to go out on the surfboard. And, and like, so they're not standing and surfing. They're just, they're kind of holding onto the surfboard on their stomach. Um, so it's safe. Um but um, see their smiles on their faces as they're coming in on the wave. Like, a, like I never, as a kid, you know, I never learned how to surf. As an adult, haven't learned how to surf. Um, but to have these kids who you know, don't get the, the typical experience that a lot of kids do, and to have them have that experience of surfing, to see the smile on their face once they 
they get the courage to actually get up there. It's, it's pretty rewarding. You know, like I've seen lots of parents brought pictures for it, you know, lots of, lots of smiles, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit kind of chill inducing just to talk about it. You know, it's really, uh, yeah. it's been a big part of my life just you know, for weekends of the year for, for a while now. Uh, are you guys really, still, really rewarding experience. Are you still guys going to, um, uh, because we're still in pandemic stage are you guys. Mm-hmm. still are you still trying to figure out the kinks on how, uh, they're going to provide the service. Yeah, hopeful. I think, I think like, like most people who want, you know, the world to start again or, or to open back up again or to figure out what the new normal is again, you know, we're, we're hopeful that by the summertime we'll be able to hold these events. We had to cancel last year's events. Um, and then we, we had actually started up a, a relationship with the people at, um, I think it's Vernon Valley, um, the, the, the ski slopes up there, mm-hmm. but they have some adaptive ski equipment for special needs. And we're hoping to do like a snow tubing um, oh, and maybe awesome. in time open up adaptive skiing. So that was something it was like, I think it was the weekend after the pandemic started, but we had it scheduled after like the end of March. Um, so we hope to do that again. And that's, that's, you know, a, a tangent to what we do with surfing and boogie boarding. Um, but we, we probably won't get to do that this winter, but we're hoping maybe next winter, but this summer, I mean, again, it's fingers crossed that um, whatever we need to do to be safe with each other with COVID that allows our events if that means wearing a mask you know i guess we'll we'll, we'll figure out the details we're hoping, very hopeful we'll be able to do it this year but it's it's like a lot of us we're on pause we don't know for sure it's going to be safe to do our event now february we hope by the time we get the mayor that we know that we can hold events in july and august what would you like what's your what would um what's your biggest um Like your biggest happiness once, what what you what's your expectations when once we're finally out of this pandemic stage? Whew, I have so many things. Um, you know, my first thought is just I get to see my nieces whenever I want. You know, my, I have my my I have a younger brother who lives in the Upper West Side. He's married um, and has three daughters. So my my three my only three nieces are eight, six, and three. Wow. Um, and I love seeing them. You know, that, that's probably the thing that brings me as much joy as anything. You know, um, I don't have kids of my own, so having nieces is um, maybe even better, you know, I don't have all the responsibility and I get all the joy out of, of playing with them and being the fun uncle. So, um, I've got to see them twice since all this started in March. Um, and I usually try to see them about once a month. So, um, so that's probably number one on the list of things that I'll get to do that uh, are a restriction right now and are challenging right now. Um, and then, you know, playing sports, playing sports is a big thing. I, you know, I grew up playing football, basketball, soccer, running track. And I've, I've always played sports all my life. And even as an adult, I'm lucky that like Zog Sports exists where I get to still pretend I'm a kid and play sports. Um, and I still play football, soccer, basketball um, just about every season that I can. Um, so I really, really, really miss playing sports um, and getting a chance to referee sports where like, you know, I'm not as active a participant, but I'm still engaging people on so many all the time and, you know, interacting with people who have been friends, have become friends over the last year that I've been doing both. So just human interaction. I think, you know, it may be obvious by now, but human interaction is something that I enjoy. I think all of us need some of that, but I need a lot of that. Um, and, I, and I thrive in that environment. And it's tough. It's tough to be isolated for all of us. But um, uh, I think I look forward to everything opening up just, just to have our, our kind of our freedoms back and, and, and to hopefully see how much people appreciate what they have and not take it as much for granted. You know, I think that's one of the best things that I hope to come out from this is just people are more appreciative of what they have, you know, hopefully more in touch with whatever, whatever's important to them, who's important to spend time with, how they treat people, and 
how they treat themselves, you know, all that kind of stuff. Hopefully that's as hard as this has been on everybody. Hopefully that's what uh, some of us have gotten out of that. You know, that hopefully that's a silver lining. I, I think I'm a better person um, as a result of it. I didn't have much choice. You know, I, I, could, I couldn't either try to get better or could have gotten a lot worse. You know, and I, I think most people are in that case. And it's it's tough. It's a tough mental challenge to go through all of this. But um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we're a better country, a better, a better, a better world. You know, for the end. Oh man. Yeah, it's it's definitely an adjustment. Um, we all and we all had to take and realize once once this pandemic hit. But I think uh, people like us, we're gonna be okay. Uh, a lot of so. people, yeah, a lot of people like us, we had to sit back and readjust and, and you know find new ways to hustle mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and you know keep keep busy you know a lot of people uh took this pandemic as a vacation to just sit back yeah. and do nothing and uh, i think i tell everybody this pandemic was like a a, a blessing in disguise i think so so Most for me Most yeah. for me for sure so for all our for for all my listeners where can we find you? Yeah, get your stuff out there. Where where can people reach you and get in contact with you? Because after they see this, you're probably gonna have a, a busy, be more busy than than what you already are, brother. Yeah, yeah, no, that'd be great, and I, and I appreciate you giving me the, uh, the creating the medium for me to get the word out there and being promote best day and uh, and community lifestyle. It's a really great opportunity for me. Um, well, first I want to start with you know bestdayfoundation.org. Um, I believe we'd also do bestdayfoundationnj.org in Jersey. Um, community Lifestyle, you know, the, the organization here in Hoboken, that's uh, communitylifestyle.org. Um, and if you're looking for me in particular, I mean, it's just my name, Scott Somsel, O-M-S-E-L. Uh, same name on Facebook, same name on Instagram. Uh, pretty simple, straightforward. I, you know, I, I believe, you know, I, I thought about coming up with some creative, funny name, and I just thought, you know, like I... I am who I am. You know, I, I like to I like to believe I'm a hard on my sleeve kind of guy. You see what you see is what you get. So you want to contact me? It's just just my name. And that's the most important. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me, man. Uh, I do appreciate everything. You're doing amazing things. Uh, you're super busy, but busy is good, and what you're doing is incredible. Thank you very much. Dad. Thank uh, you very much. Just, just I feel blessed. Thank you for joining me, Scott. I feel blessed too. Like, thank you very much. I'm so glad that your wife Diana and I had a chance to talk, and that yes. led to this. You know, it may have taken a month or two, but I'm I'm hey, really thrilled you. that it led to this. And I I'm really yeah. excited to introduce you to Lewis and have you talk to Lewis. I think you'll be if, if you liked what I had to say. I think you'll love what Lewis had to say. I can't wait, brother. Thank you for cool. very cool deal. Enjoy your day, man. Thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you.